going on, podcasting world? Welcome back to another episode of the Core Consult RX podcast. Cole and I have a special guest today. Yes. We are joined by Dr. Alex Pavin. You may be familiar with his work. He's the author of High Powered Medicine, which is a fantastic book that works through several very important landmark trials that, uh, you know, whenever you hear Cole and I talking about certain trials, I mean, we're naming them and we're referencing uh, Alex's book a lot of times. Yeah, we've and never so, cited it. We probably should while we're on the podcast. Yeah, so we've uh, <laughs> we, 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 we've been we've used his book several times and, and uh, it is fantastic. So he's the author of that and, and we'll get to hear some about that as well. He's uh, also one of the content creators and um, you know drug information specialist working with Pearls, our longtime sponsor. And uh, Alex, man, it's really good to have you here. Thank you for having me. No, it's uh, yeah, been been a listener for a long time, and it's been that's yeah, really exciting to join you here today. So thank you. No, man, thank you for taking the time. So, uh, so Alex, man, you finished pharmacy school, and uh, you have licenses in like the most different states, I think. No, because <laughs> I was looking on there. It looks like Missouri, uh, Hawaii, and Texas. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, they they ran me out of two states, and I'm in Texas currently. Huh. Just kidding. Uh, <laughs> no, I, 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 no, I graduated from UMKC in 2018, so got licensed in Missouri, and pretty much immediately after graduation, I moved out to Hawaii and began working as a pharmacist at a community um, community pharmacy chain out there, Long's Drugs, and. Uh, Eventually, I found my way back to Missouri, and then about a year and a half ago, we moved down here to Dallas. So uh, that's what brought me here, and uh, at that same time is when I was able to start working for Pearls full-time. So I, uh, I've gotten to travel around the world a little bit, or at least around the United States, and it's been a lot of fun, and I've got to meet a lot of people along the way. That's awesome. So how, how did Hawaii come about? Was that just like a something you always wanted to do, or that? No, no. So uh, my I met my wife in at school at UMKC. She was not in pharmacy, which is probably healthy for me. Uh, but uh, we we met, and she was going into marine biology, and she was going to be working with dolphins. So she actually graduated two years before me and got a job working as a dolphin trainer and marine mammal researcher in Hawaii. And she told me I had to get out of Missouri when I graduated. So that's kind of how I was known by a lot of my professors and friends is that I was dating the dolphin trainer at the time. So she has such a cooler job than you, man. That's (laughs) yeah, no, it's uh, that's, that's probably why people remembered it because it's definitely the the fun job. And I had to stay inside outside or stay inside away from the sun and an ocean job. Is there not a lot of dolphins in Missouri? Um, there's the rare river dolphin. But <laughs> you're, not to, you're not supposed to pet them. That's true. That's a, that's a good. Them, that's a good tip. That could be a problem. No, that's yeah. cool, man. So that's what you guys were going out there, so she could do her research and stuff, and you were working out there. Yep. How how, then, how was it like being out there in Hawaii for a while? Was it cool? Oh, oh it was so much fun. So much fun. It's uh, definitely a tough to do for a long time just because if you wanted to be closer to family and all of our families in the Midwest. uh, But we had a a great time and just being able to go to the beach whenever you want to pretty much. And, you know, 
that, that that's pretty much it yeah, yeah that's, that's <laughs> awesome. go to work go to the beach good life yeah oh, that's um, cool just a lot, a lot of great community out there in terms of you know working in the in the area so i was very lucky with that i feel like we had a lot of um classmates or at least a few classmates who did a rotation in hawaii i wonder if it was with longs or if they it seems like it was like a destination rotation and i don't actually know who they went to rotate with but i think walgreens even has a rotation out there i don't know for sure if that's the only one but yeah yeah funny enough during my fourth year i did a rotation at the at a walgreens on oahu so that was my excuse to get to visit kelsey for at least a little bit while uh, finishing up so that's cool, man. Well, and then so from there, then you started working for Pearls and, uh, you know, with the book, you know, being written as well during that, you know, I guess in between that time period, ha- have you always enjoyed like creating, you know, content and, and, and sort of like uh, educating people? Um, You know, I, I don't know if it was something that's been a like lifelong goal, but it's something I fell into a little bit towards my last rotation. It was at the drug information center on campus and i just found myself kind of really appreciating all the extra i guess under the the deeper understanding that came with you know actually reading the clinical trial and understanding like either the the magnitude of benefit or the lack of benefit for you know some of the ones that like a drug rep will come in they'll have like the big blazer and be like oh this thing's the best it's like 90 percent relative risk reduction and like well what does that actually mean and so (laughs) Getting to and and learning from people who are pros at it uh, at the the DI center. So I started kind of basically building a collection of uh, journal more more or less journal clubs. And over time, I was like, yeah, I know this would be a kind of a handy reference. And so I would kind of moonlight as doing that in between you know shifts at CVS slash Longs and eventually it kind of got to the point where I was like, all right, I'll, 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 I'll give this a uh, publishing thing a try. So we'll, uh, and that's kind of what led me to my job at Pearls, to be honest. So. Yeah, that's cool, man. The, uh, drug info is always something that was like intimidating to me. Cause I, I love education. I love, I love the concept of drug info, but I'm so the opposite of like the A type personality. The, it's just the that, mess terms that get you. You, yeah, just, yeah, you yeah. just don't like anybody mentioning mess terms yeah, when it comes to like, I'm searching a, for stuff in PubMed. I, 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 I'm, I'm yet to have Oof. someone explain to me why <laughs> I can't Google something. <laughs> No, but uh, I definitely have a lot of respect for drug info, but I just, I don't think I, I couldn't do it the traditional sense anyway. Just, yeah, it seems like under, me out. understanding a trial given to me is is one thing, and then being able to have a question posed to you and then have to find relevant information is is what we don't know how to, as, as much, don't know as much how to do, and I guess what drug information yeah. folks do a little more of. And that's where mesh terms come in. That's where mesh terms that's come in. I still use Google. Um, yeah, <laughs> Professor, Professor Google. Professor Google. They don't call him a scholar for nothing. <laughs> but uh, so, you know, it, it, was your school, like, you know, when you were in pharmacy school, was it really heavy on evidence-based medicine? And did they focus a lot on, you know, using literature to back up your recommendations? And was that kind of an emphasis? Yeah, yeah, for a lot of it. One of the professors for our drug info class actually more or less wrote a well-known book about it and he's one of the co-authors or several of them at the drug info are co-authors in the uh, drug information that the, the really big textbook that you can find on access pharmacy 
So they, they really at least taught us the fundamentals of, you know, just basically how to clear the smoke of drug in, or like clinical trials at least. And a lot of our professors really kind of hammered us on, you know, if you're going to make the recommendation, you should either support it with, you know, the guideline or like a specific trial as to why you think it's, you know, good enough to, to pose to a patient or a provider. So yeah, they really, really made us, uh, at least try to understand our recommendations or the reasons behind the recommendations rather than just kind of parroting it back to them, which is kind of like the reflex for a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Sure. I, I remember uh, we have a professor that's you know very big on evidence-based medicine and, you know, banking sure your recommendations are backed up with trials and stuff like that. And I remember I was so proud of myself because I like had the name of a trial that vaguely fit the recommendation I was trying to say. And I remember him just looking at me like, does the patient, your patient, does he, would he be accepted in that trial? And I was like, Ugh. Huh? <laughs> oh no! And it's like asked me a follow-up question. Yeah, I didn't no. expect the follow-up, but no, it's 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 definitely a, a big steep learning curve, if you, especially if you haven't spent a lot of time, you know, actually looking and utilizing trials. And I remember any time a professor would include the names of trials in their um, slides, inevitably somebody would raise their hand and do ask, we have to know? Do that? we have to know this for the test? God. Yeah. <laughs> You do now. That's what I tell my PA students. You do now. I wasn't. That's what's good for asking a question. Yeah, don't ever ask something ridiculous like that again. (laughs) (laughs) So, so, uh, when did you have the idea for for creating and writing high powered medicine? Um, Well, like I said, the the initial idea was just kind of a way for me to stay semi sharp, and I did start to enjoy the actual reading the clinical trials and understanding like, Oh wow, this, these are some of these drugs are incredibly effective and super useful. And some of the ones that you see are like, yeah, that, that, that's a, that's kind of a miss, but, um, you know, it's eventually I was like, this would be, this is a good reference for myself because we, I was a co-preceptor when I was in Hawaii and I would, you know, one of the things, Oh, here's a journal club idea. And I'd, give it to them and then we could actually talk about it a little bit more in depth because I'd already had a little bit more exposure to a certain trial. And then eventually I kind of was like, Oh, I'll get out of my own way and put, put, put this out and share it with other people. And I was a little very, well, very hesitant about doing that at first because I wasn't sure like, Oh, is this going to be good enough? Is anyone going to care? What if they care too much? What if it sucks? Um, and, just the whole thing that comes with you know trying to or sharing anything and into to the out in the open, but um, I've been very very lucky and very thankful that the people that do find it seem to enjoy it. Uh, it's been a, a nice research for myself or continued nice research for myself and um, you know um, yeah I'm very I'm very very thankful. Well, and, you know, as far as, like, creating the book, you know, itself, like, how did it start as far did you just take the ones, the summaries and stuff that you had already written for yourself and just sort of, you know, start putting them in, into, you know, alphabetical order of, by trial name? Or did you have to go through and, like, have somebody, uh, did you have somebody come in and, like, go through it and, like, like you know, back check you or anything like that? How did you kind of work, like, actually, you know, put everything together? Um, so I'm, I'm a one man team when it comes to this, I would basically do the drop, like use the template I like to use and 
go through and comb through the data and write it out and try and make sure I'm not all over the place with my like word phrasing and how, how the terms I'm using and just trying to be a little bit consistent from trial review to trial review. And then I would kind of come back and basically just painstakingly check everything again myself since um, it was uh, just kind of a hobby project for a long time and eventually kind of grew into something a little bit more, well, still requires a lot of editing every now and then, but uh, and just maintaining it. But uh, just a lot of fact-checking and going back, pretty much any hour spent in is about four hours worth of reviewing on the back end is what it felt like, especially mm-hmm. getting it. For, for publishing and just yeah, it's like yeah. a root canal. <laughs> <laughs> it's that's a good way to describe it. It's basically like getting a root canal it's, without uh, any yeah. sort of numbing. It's really motivating agent. me to write my own book. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, yeah. It's like I, I tell everybody they should definitely do it. Yeah. So. No, what's funny is uh, you mentioned you know that whole you know that inner dialogue of whether you should put things out and are people going to say i mean cole and i i think we did the same thing we we were with the first video that we ever recorded before the podcast ever started and i think cole was still a student at the time actually mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. um and we recorded one video i think it was like uh, i think it was the affirm trial mm-hmm. and uh and it literally took us for a five minute and not including the editing and all that crap, it literally took us probably eight hours mm-hmm. to do a five. Which <laughs> a five looking back, video. it's like what could we have possibly I been know. doing? We didn't. We didn't stop no for any idea. breaks to play virtual reality or nothing. <laughs> no <laughs> video game breaks. It still took eight hours. That was, that was the best preset. I remember you had a little chalkboard. Uh, I think we were even like outlining it on the chalkboard, and then we had to like type out my lines, and mm-hmm. then I had to try to pr- well, try you, to relay them and it was very bad because it was the first time i'd ever been behind a, a, microphone. a microphone and then we redid that multiple times yeah. and then we had to make the slides yeah it was all day all oh, day long and it, yeah it's probably still on youtube somewhere i'm sure it is yeah that's, then, that's a very f- familiar uh scenario for me just as anything i'm doing it's like i have this big block of unrefined wood or stone and i make like i have to take like eight or nine passes before it gets even close to being something I'm like well now i can finally do it for real this time so yeah. anytime we put anything in writing i feel like we we do kind of overthink it big time the nice thing about our current medium is that we, we just, just talk, say stuff. so sometimes we mess up and that's okay you know it's it's a little harder to fact that's, check yeah. when it's not i mean i guess there's, it's really not there's probably a transcription it, but it makes us feel a lot better though it makes us feel better yeah more comfortable when we mess <laughs> as up as long as we don't read the reddit then we're good <laughs> right, right. Oh. <laughs> yeah um so the, the book itself is in the third edition or about to be in its third edition um well it's the second edition is currently out and a live it started off with just over 100 trials when it was first published in 2021 and in december of 2022 i got to 150 and one or two trials and um slowly but surely working my way towards 200 and i think that'll probably be the uh the third edition whenever that comes out um just trying to make them either semi-relevant trials or you know, useful stuff because there's a whole bunch of just kind of crazy off the wall trials I could probably, you know, fluff it in there. But in the in the topic of like kind of chronic disease management, it's more more on the outpatient side anyway. Um, you you start to kind of scrape the bottom of the barrel, and I mean, there's there's still tons I'm sure, but uh, in terms of like relevant to current practice, yeah, um, yeah. 
Did, so. did how do you go about kind of figuring out you know which trials you are going to include? Do you have like oh, do you yeah. ask for suggestions and things? Um, every now and then I'll get a suggestion, and in in general, the most useful way or the most helpful way for me was just going through the uh, reference section of the clinical guidelines themselves. So whether it's the hypertension, cholesterol, diabetes. They have, especially heart failure, like that, that one has like gobs and gobs of landmark trials referenced. Um, I would just kind of go to the back and like out of like the 800 references that they have, I'd just kind of start scanning for any kind of fun looking name. And I would just, I would just have like a running list of things and I'd just kind of go through them and some of them would be not very relevant and some of them I'd be like, oh, yeah, I do remember hearing about that one from school or that one's actually will help answer a question that I've had for a while for myself, like uh, like the precision trial. Like, can, can we – is that going to be any different, uh, com, you know, Celebrex versus, you know, gen, general NSAIDs? We just so, talked about that last episode. We did. And, you know, you actually mentioned what know. probably my most important question is, which is if it doesn't have a cool name. <laughs> I was literally about to ask the exact same Like, what, what, what do you do with your header? You know, or do you just, if it doesn't oh, have a cool name, no. it does not get included. Um, I think there's only been maybe even like one or two trials that didn't have like a very fun name. And I would just find like somewhere like it's called the like the HPTN 083 group trial. And that's just what it got indexed under on clinicaltrials.gov. Or I think the other one was just the, like the diuretic comparison group, the one where they were talking about the VA study with the, um, what they looked at. Chlorothaladone. Chlorothaladone versus HCTZ. And um, didn't, it didn't have necessarily a fun name, but you know, it's. You found some way to designate it. I, yeah. I, I found something. I, uh, yeah, if I ever, if they ever name a trial that's just a boring name, then I'm. It's just. Uh, I'll, have to, I'll have to message the authors. Yeah, it's not, they can it's not worth it. Yeah, because I feel yeah, like there's some definitely some trials you run into where it's like you know they're important, but there's not a name associated with it. So it's like okay. And the one we're going to talk about today, it's pretty on the nose. Yeah, pretty on the nose. Actually, I'm not sure that. Um, I can't really think of too many trials that have the brand name of the medication as the what the trial is called. Is that the name, brand name of the medication? Isn't it? I don't know. It, it is, yeah. and I thought that was hilarious that they went with that. I know. Like, I mean, pretty... can you think of any other, like, which there was an original Lodoco trial in, like, 2013 or something like that. Um, uh, or some or an older one, I guess, and this was, like, Lodoco yeah, 2, I thought. This, this, was, this was the sequel to, I think, the Colcott trial. Yeah. Where it it didn't show as great of a, a benefit. So they like, all right, we'll, we'll give it some time. We're going to try again. And yeah, they, they, they picked, I, I don't know if they picked the trial name first or the trade name first, but it, Ladoco is a, is a kind of a goofy name for a, a drug. It is. And I'm amazed that if I say it was the trial name first, I'm amazed that they were able to get the, the brand name approved. Cause I think that there are rules about, if it can be kind of an advertisement brand name in some way, I, I, don't, I don't know all the rules, but I, I thought I heard something about that. I don't know all the rules. <laughs> I, just, I swear it's been brought up. I, I, sometimes brand I names don't even will know get, one of the rules. They will get denied for for reasons. You have to be. They're obviously very strategic about that, how they choose them, but they can be denied. Hmm. I think they they made uh, Brintelix change its name oh, to yeah. yeah away from Brintel because it was too close to Brintella and yeah Br Berlenta. 
Brilinta, thank you. I was, uh, but yeah, I remember were, that. Brintelix is what it used to be called. Now it's Trintelix. Yeah, and I guess I that was that might that. have been like a med safety thing, I suppose, Just, or maybe it was a marketing thing. I don't know. I remember. I think it was too many fatal bleeds. Yeah. Oh jeez. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah I, I remember like vividly yeah. this. Uh, it's, it was an emergency room physician that came into the pharmacy when I was still working for like Walgreens, and it was right after that switch had been made. He had been on Brintelix, and he was like, "What is that?" And like I said, "Oh, it's the." You know, I, I just gave him a two seconds summary of why he's like that's gonna be the stupidest thing i've ever heard and he just got so i'm like yo i didn't choose <laughs> i don't know why you're mad at me i didn't do it <laughs> it was i don't know why that just popped in my head i haven't thought about that guy in <laughs> 10 years he probably thinks about you all the time he that probably stupid pharmacy yeah. student why did he tell me about yeah. that brand name change <laughs> he's so angry but uh yeah um so we'll definitely go through that trial too but uh you know, as far as the future for for high powered medicine, what do you like to see this going? Like, would you would you want this to be a full time gig at some point, or do you like having it kind of just be a side hustle or whatever you want to call it? Um, yeah, it's it's been a a nice little hobby project, and you know, I I don't know if it's ever going to be ready to be a full time job for me uh, in terms of keeping the lights on. Um, but you know, the the big success was it kind of led to my current job at pearls which is um good good enough for right now for me so I, i'm happy to see it kind of just plug along a little bit and if it gets more and more popular or if it gets into the hands of other people and they can find it useful that's great too um but if not it's uh, a great way for me just to kind of keep chugging along and do, do do what i like so and plus when you have a spouse's dolphin trainer I mean, surely money is no is no you know object. So I'm, I'm sure that's not Wait, a concern. We're, we're just we're swimming in. <laughs> right. There you go. No pun intended. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. Uh, so that, but, uh, <laughs> yeah, you might have to switch careers, man. I'm going to try the marine biology thing out a little bit. That sounds. I'm not going to lie. I'm thinking about it. It sounds way more fun <laughs> than doing this. Yeah, in terms of in terms of fun jobs, it it definitely has me beat by you know not even close. Have you gotten to like? swim than dolphins as a as a assistant or anything um no but she she gets me in every, she she was able to get me in when we lived out there and when we moved back to st louis she helped open the aquarium at the union station and now she kind of pivoted and now she does voice acting so she's oh wow she's, just, uh, she's bouncing all over doing all the fun jobs and she's just, way more interesting than all of us <laughs> than all yeah. of us put no, together and you went from got, you went from a community gig to drug information which you know is probably considered a little more of a slower not not, not like a not busy yeah, but we a, like it but a, we, yeah. maybe a less interesting right per, career option to some from people. a population standpoint right yeah. right 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 and i got i got more boring and right. she just keeps she just keeps getting more, more interesting, interesting. <laughs> people are like what do you guys do for fun outside of pharmacy and outside of work i'm like uh <laughs> more pharmacy yeah <laughs> so, no, yeah we get that for sure so. it's all good to each his own we, we have fun but uh <laughs> but voice acting that's not that's, that's a good idea i know god could you imagine how bad we'd be at that we would be so we can barely do this it's so not even bad acting. at that we, yeah you guys already have this, the equipment for it. you guys are halfway there we, yeah we, we do we're we just, just don't that have, talent piece yeah the laryngeal equipment right <laughs> because um we are we already get made fun of our voices on a podcast where it does god, not matter yeah. nearly as much could you imagine if we were trying <laughs> imagine to oh, sound yeah. to sound a certain way i've done uh, some accents on here before that's true have I'm, i not i'm sure they've hit they we'll probably cut we we'll probably cut those probably, out. Yeah, that's the only time I've ever <laughs> edited. <laughs> 
<laughs> so, uh, Alex, man, will you, let's uh, let's go through this Ladoco two trial, um, and yeah. will, will you kind of take us through and uh, just give us an idea of how the the book works, how people could use it if they were getting a copy of it. Sure. Yeah. So the the book works. It does uh, everything's either indexed at the back by disease state or drug. Uh, if you're using the it's alphabetical otherwise. If you're using the online database, it's all just kind of there, and you can filter by disease state uh, or just control F for whatever trial name or drug name you're looking for. Um, but just going into the uh, – yeah, I don't even know if it's sharing my screen. If not, it's fine. Uh, but, yeah, the Ladoco 2 trial, that one was published in 2020, and it was – the objective of it was to determine the safety and efficacy of low-dose colchicine for the prevention of cardiovascular events in patients with chronic coronary disease. And this one was kind of an interesting trial that kind of that caught my eye initially just because you don't think of colchicine as being good for anything other than gout attacks uh, historically. So I was definitely a, a, didn't know what I was going to find when I read it the first time. But the primary endpoint they were looking at was a composite of cardiovascular death, myocardial infarction, ischemic stroke, or ischemia-driven coronary revascularization. And overall, um, the general patient population were those who had established coronary artery disease. Uh, most of them, like roughly uh, 84%, had a prior acute coronary events or revascularization. Most of them were on guideline recommended therapy, statins, uh, ACER and R, beta blocker, and antiplatelet therapy. Uh, Looking at what they actually were testing out method-wise, they just were giving people colchicine 0.5 milligrams once daily versus matching placebo. And I thought that was kind of funny compared to, you know, Colchicine is available at your cold crisp is 0.6, which made me kind of think if, if this it does go, do well, how many people are just going to be put on the 0.6 sure. uh, off-label, sure. we'll say. That that would be not not the FDA, what they want, but anyway. Um, not, with the, the, they, not with the drug company who got it approved once either, I'm sure. Yeah. That's, right, yeah, surely that's, that's uh, why they went with 0.5. Well, isn't, wasn't the yeah. 0.5 the one, the, the strength that was available like in Europe and stuff, or am I making that up? Well, that's a good point, actually, because I think this was, did you mention something about um, it was in the, like Australia, Australia and the somehow? Netherlands, I think the study was done in? Well, that's, very, that's a high possibility. That's a possibility. That's a good question, yeah. It's, uh, yeah, Netherlands, I think this was all kind of all over the place, but... It's probably over different dose. I should point out that I now understand Ladoco, low-dose colchicine. Yeah. Didn't get that at first, so... Oh. Yeah, it's it's a actually a reasonable name. brand name. Uh, yeah. Oh, I was I was, I was, was wondering why you were so... No, I, I thought you I were just cool. Yeah, yeah. Low-dose... I got it. Yeah, we, we learned so much in real time There's at least podcast. two people listening who just got it as well, so you're welcome. Yeah, I'm, I'm speaking for those two people. If that's true, please <laughs> please send us a message so that Cole can prove us himself right, but I'm, I'm, I have my doubts. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead, Alex. No, no. This is yeah, why this people is, stop listening to us. <laughs> this is yeah. This is why I listen. Is um, yeah. So they they overall they the trial lasted about twenty nine months and had about fifty five hundred patients that underwent randomization. Uh, overall, there was about the primary composite outcome occurred in six and a half six point seven percent in the colchicine group compared to nine point five in the placebo group. So this was a statistically significant difference, 
uh, absolute risk reduction of about 2.7% and a number needed to treat of about 36, which looks good. And overall, like looking at the individual components, it was consistent morbidity benefit in terms of showing a significant reduction for revascularization, myocardial infarction, stroke. But when they looked at actual mortality for the cardiovascular death component, didn't quite achieve a statistically significant difference. So it was numerically lower with colchicine, but not to a statistically significant um, magnitude. So kind of a, more of a morbidity versus mortality, at least based on the results of this trial. So, so was it being driven mostly by MI and ischemia-driven coronary revascularization? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the, the, the cardiovascular death, it was 20 events in the colchicine group and 25 in the placebo. So you know, better, but not enough to really say that it's a significant reduction. Gotcha. So a lot of these patients were secondary prevention. Yeah, most of them. Most of them, I think, like I said, it was about 85% had a prior ACS or some form of revascularization. And all of them had evidence of coronary disease um, when they looked at them on angiography or tomography. And they were all on or for the most part, all on lipid-lowering therapies, um, yeah. a lot of them on blood ACEs and ARBs and beta blockers, that sort of thing still. Yeah, and that's a good, great point to kind of highlight because the results need to be interpreted as colchicine in addition to, in general, like evidence-based therapies or you know, recommend, general recommended baseline, um, you know, lipid, blood pressure, and um, general ACE or coronary chronic coronary disease uh, medications. Gotcha. And I, I thought it was interesting, too, that uh, it looks like 95% of the patients in the study had stage 1 or 2 CKD. Huh. It look like 5% had stage 3A. So I guess everyone had some form of CKD. Am I right about that, or am I making that up? And it's um, and colchicine has... Um, it's contraindicated in severe CKD, right? Like less than 15? I think it's like, you have to do like, uh, I'd have to double check myself, but I want to say it's like maybe a third, a half of a tablet, like every few days or something like that. Gotcha. I don't know. I can't remember off the top of my head. Yeah. No, yeah. It's, uh, there's, yes, stage one or two, most of patients did fall in that category, which I have to refresh my memory on the staging, but that could be anywhere from like, what, 60 to 90 mm-hmm. or yeah, or great, greater than 90 oh, even. Greater than 90, yeah. One so. of the exclusion criteria was EGFR less than 50. Okay, so they, they had to have a, a I guess what, that's where the 3A comes from then. Because uh, yeah. they only had 5% that were in that 3A group, which I guess is technically down to 45, but yeah. hmm, that's interesting. I guess but that's probably what they were trying to avoid is any kind of issues with the kidneys. I should say that there is a 0.5 milligram tablet of colchicine available in Australia branded as Colgout. Cold gout, and there yeah. in other countries there is as well. Even Ooh, Canada has cool Canada has an extended release um, version of 0.5 milligram colchicine called Myinfla. So yeah, that's probably why they chose that. That's cool. Yeah, kind of wreak havoc to all the U.S. based. I know. I know. Yeah, but you're right. I imagine there will be a lot of 0.6s floating around. Um, yeah. First, for cost reasons. What about uh, what about adverse effects in this case? Uh, for the most part, uh, the, the kind of one that kind of pops out as initially concerning is the potential for rhabdomyolysis because that's kind of one of the, you see, I have statin plus colchicine, and that was a drug alert that we 
pop up all the time at the pharmacy because they interact that way and can increase muscle aches and pains and in rare cases rhabdo but they only had one case noted over the full course of the trial and they did achieve full recovery which um, good so overall it doesn't seem to be a very notable scare, or, uh, adverse effect or a common one to worry about in terms of adherence um, but that was the the main one that stuck out they didn't seem to have a whole lot of GI complaints that you would see with higher doses of colchicine, and I think it's the, I think it's funny that numerically there was less instances of gout. When they reported that. Yeah, <laughs> thank you yeah, including that. That's a, that's a nice thing to highlight. Yeah, I like, think the, 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 the gout, gout medicine, medicine worked. Thanks. <laughs> Um, I think the rhabdo piece is a, a very good point because 94% of these patients were on statins. So I'm yeah. sure there's going to be a lot more, um, like you said, of that interaction um, popping up in the pharmacy and, you know, likely a fair amount of pharmacists pausing and calling for clarification or something to confirm. Like if it pops up, I can't remember exactly how it pops up, but I'm pretty sure it's a nice big red warning that it pops up with. Um, yeah. And so, you know, it, 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 this would make me feel comfortable that uh, it wouldn't be something that would need more than a, a counseling about, uh, you know, signs and, and symptoms of rhabdo or something like that. Yes. Yes. My, my thing, did they report on uh, like GI issues at all? Um, that thing, they seemed to, they had a hospitalization for gastrointestinal reasons in table two of the actual trial. And there was, it was 53 versus 50 comparing the colchicine and placebo group. So not a, not a, any, you know, significant difference between that, uh, with, you know, like the concern with colchicine at higher doses and that being why you kind of stop after 1.8 milligrams daily for most gout attacks or flares, uh, would be like, you just kind of have some intolerable stomach issues after that point and not any added benefit. Interesting. That, that that study is included in your book as well, right? Oh, uh, the colchicine high dose. I thought it was. I thought I saw it. Um, the no, high dose colchicine versus slower. Maybe not. I, uh, I do, well, there's I one for ver- there's one for version three. Yeah, we yeah, can. yeah. I'm gonna document that right now. <laughs> um, it's amazing that almost 100 percent of the patients were also on an antiplatelet as well. So another thing to note about if your patient fits into the the window of this trial is almost, or, or not antiplatelet, but um, uh, 67% on single antiplatelet, 23% on dual antiplatelet, and 12% on anticoagulation. So almost 100% on an antiplatelet or anticoagulation. Yeah. So, and, and kind of like how I view Ladoco or this lower dose of colchicine fitting in, if whenever it does kind of come to market, would be this is kind of a an add on after you've almost kind of, I don't want to say perfected their current pharmacotherapy regimen, but like you should not be trying to use this in place of anything or as a, you know, a single agent regimen. This needs to be like the, maybe one of the final things that you consider adding on and like a high risk person who's already had an event and still remains at an elevated risk. Yeah. But it's nice. Gives us another option to decrease risk. And even on top of all that stuff, a number needed to treat of 36 for the composite i think it's very solid i think it's pretty solid yeah the uh the agree trial that's the one i was thinking of agree I, oh, and, and i don't know why we'll i agree saw, to disagree i saw aim high 
I saw Aim High in your book, and I don't know why my brain was like, oh, that must that's the one. I was thinking, I'm not even close. And also, that sounds like you want the higher dose, which is wrong, <laughs> so I'm an idiot. But, <laughs> but uh, yeah. Um, the uh, I'm wondering if colchizine, and if, if, I mean, obviously, it, the data's not, like, extremely, you know, um, impressive, I guess I would say. But, like, I'm wondering if with all the, the talk around aspirin, I'm wondering if mm. it's going to be kind of like a, I know it's totally different as far as mechanism, but I'm almost wondering if that's going to be sort of like a replacing or at least for some patients, maybe they have a higher bleed risk or something, maybe for an alternative. secondary prevention? Yeah, possibly. I mean, all these, almost all these patients were on some sort of antiplatelet or anticoagulation. Yeah. Now, you know, you know, so. Dual, dual into, well, I guess it wouldn't be antiplatelet anymore, but dual therapy with colchizine right. and, uh, and yeah. clopidogrel or yeah, something. Yeah, plavix and colchizine, that'd be interesting. Yeah. We just came up with something, I think. <laughs> I don't, yeah, just another, like, there's going to be all these quad single single pills where it's going to be yeah. statin, beta blocker, colchizine. 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 Who'd have thought? Yeah. Rhabdomyolysis yeah. and a pill. Not really. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, and and tell us, you know, because you have the the hard copy book, and then you also have the database where someone can go, like if they had to, you know, look up a trial real quick, they could just go on the database online and and search it and see it di- digitally right then and there. Um, how do you, how does, if someone wants to purchase the book or access to the database, what what do they typically, where do they go, what do they do? Yeah. So um, if you're interested at all, you can start off by just going to highpoweredmedicine.com and you can create a free account. You can download a copy of 10 free trials just to kind of keep as a PDF and get a free sample of what the book looks like and what you'd be getting if you did purchase the full copy. You can buy a PDF from the website or you can buy a hard copy from Amazon um, and have it shit to you overnight with prime and uh or if you prefer to have something just instant access anywhere there's internet you can buy an annual subscription to the the database and the upside of that one is that you get instant access to any trials that get added as i'm adding them or putting in uh so anything that's new i'll drop it in and you'll have instant access versus the book uh, you'd have to wait until the third Third, third one gets released, which who, that might be a while. So, um, and yeah, they uh, uh, it's nineteen ninety nine for pretty much all of it. Uh, if you want a hard copy or hardcover, that's a little bit more. But um, try to keep this uh, pretty, pretty, pretty low, low hanging fruit in terms of price, and um, make it make it easy for everyone to enjoy. Yeah, no, and it's and for those of you who are watching the video version, this the hard copy is very, very nice too. I'm actually I, when I when I got this, I was like, man, this thing is legit. <laughs> this is a really well made book and stuff too. So I like it. It's it's definitely definitely worth it to get the hard copy for those of you who want the physical version. But um, I like the database as well, especially since you said as you add more things and they can kind of you know just see all the new content as it comes out. That's yeah, pretty it's very cool. 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 Yeah, this is this is great. This is a great idea. It, it sounds like something that I would think like, oh, that would be really cool to do. And then maybe I would sit down and put together like reviews of two trials, and then I would like, com- man, you know what? Completely stop there and move on to something different. Like yeah. I do not I'm have not the mental fortitude to uh, to actually do this. So yeah, kudos for doing this on your own. I mean, it's like, oh, must yeah. be no, thousands of hours. Very of, impressive of work. So yeah, yeah, it's a uh, it's it's a it's a very humble beginnings and over a long period of time. So. But uh, anybody who's, I'm sure you guys know what that's like starting off and then seeing where it goes. So, um, yeah. 
yeah. happy, happy to see how it's uh, grown over time. Um, what's, what's been the time frame as far as from like when you finally said, okay, I'm going to create a book to, to now, how, what, how long has it been? Do you know roughly? Yeah. So the, I guess the, the, the seed of the idea started like in my last rotation before I graduated and in April of 2018. And then it eventually got over time as I'm adding it and kind of getting it ready. I published it in 2021, the first edition. And that was kind of funny because that's, I, I did it when I was on, when I was on COVID leave, I was working with warp. I was working with warp speed and I, I brought home COVID to me and my wife and we, we had two weeks off and I used, <laughs> nice. used that to finally buckle down and, you know, do all the last editing stuff. And then, um, yeah, then eventually about a year and a half later, I put out the second edition and, uh, just finding time for it here and there and in between life and normal uh, other work and just keep plugging away. That's awesome, man. Yeah, good for you. That's a huge, huge undertaking. What, I've got a, I've got a good advertising idea for you. What you need to do oh, is, um, you know, if somebody buys like the nice hardcover um, copy, then your wife will record one of the trials in like a certain voice. Let's go with Minnie Mouse or something like that, and uh, you know that way you can you can pair yeah, you do her, the audio version. Pair her voice yeah. acting yeah. along An with audio book. Yes, with the yes. Yes, audiobook. Cole, that might be one of your best ideas. Tell you what, I'll be expecting That's, royalties. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's it's better it's definitely a better idea than me doing it. <laughs> I, I I can barely record two or three sentences without tripping over myself. So it's okay, we can't either and we do it all the time. Somehow we've done it for two hundred and something episodes. So yeah. Here we are. Yeah. Just as long as you don't listen to the episodes back, you can't tell how bad you do. <laughs> right. That's right. You just got to barrel that's forward. That's the when key. there's no quality control, you don't actually have to worry about that kind of thing. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> we fired the quality control guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It was uh, it was Creed. <laughs> yeah. So uh, where can, if people want to contact you or, or follow you on Instagram or anything like that, where, where can people find you at? Yeah, so um, the uh, Instagram is probably the, the place i'm most active just high-powered medicine i i have a twitter under the same or high-powered med and if you want to reach out to me personally you can find me on linkedin uh, alex poppin there's also just you know the the actual high-powered medicine page but most of the activity i do in terms of sharing stuff and uh, putting things out is on the more social social need on instagram and twitter so uh, that's where you can find me if you want to see what else I have going on or just want to look at the other, uh, you know, see what I've been putting out on, on those feeds. Feel free to take a look. Sounds good. Well, make, make sure you follow them on uh, Instagram and um, LinkedIn and all that good stuff. And uh, I will link um, you know, the in the show notes to, to how to get the book off Amazon or purchase the digital copy or the database subscription. I'll put all that in the show notes so you can find it. And, uh, and Alex and I are going to be working together, kind of cross uh, promoting the podcast and the book and stuff. And so, you know, I want to say, yeah, with you here, yeah, I really appreciate you uh, agreeing to work with us and stuff going forward. And I'm excited about this. Like, I we we've, we're very particular about who we 
kind of because Cole and I are very bad uh, salespeople unless we actually believe in something. <laughs> so we've gotten offers. We've gotten offers from like, you know, these, oh, Pretty if you drink things. this, it'll cure your ADD yeah. and all this different. I'm like, I just can't do it. <laughs> no. I just it's, I just don't believe in it. And so, uh, you know, you and, and Pearls obviously is another big one, but um, we, we we both think the book's awesome. And so, so it's going to be uh it's been really cool having you on the show and um, hopefully we can uh, get the word out and get some people over there to take advantage of this opportunity because it's all uh, these, these landmark trials right at your fingertips. What are you doing? But no, uh, yeah, no, it's, uh, it's, yeah, I was, I was just laughing cause yeah, I'm, I'm a terrible salesman myself and I'm, you know, just, uh, it's good. It's really great to connect and meet and uh, work with people who are, are also fans of, you know, EBM and all the fun stuff that comes with, you know, just enjoying talking about pharmacy. So the cool kids. Very, very, yeah. I, I knew I'd make it. I yeah. Knew I'd make it. I told you mom, just let, let the yeah. dolphin trainers train their dolphins. Yeah. We'll be talking about, we'll studies. sit around a table late at night and talk about evidence with our, with our cigars and bifocals. Until we get COPD. Yeah. But all right, man. Well, uh, we appreciate you coming on the show. We won't we won't keep you, um, and uh, we want to be respectful of your time. But thank you so much for taking the time to come on and do this with us. And uh, everybody listening, make sure you check out the book. And um, whether it's hard copy or subscribing to the database, definitely encourage you to do that. And uh, also, while you're at it, check out Pearls. Um, so that'll also be in the, the show notes. Pearls.com/slash/coreconsultrx. And uh, a lot of great content coming out of there as well. And Alex is producing a lot of that stuff as well. So you can get the book and you get him on Pearls. He's everywhere. Right. So thank you guys so much for listening. And uh, let us know if you have any questions for Cole and myself. Obviously, you know how we can get in touch with us. All that will be in the show notes as well. Until then, uh, we'll see you guys in the next episode. Have a good one.